This is a podcast from 3RRR 102.7 FM in Melbourne, truly independent community radio. G'day. Welcome aboard the Starship Zero G. Science fiction, fantasy and historical radio for episode number 1234. I saw that and I got very excited. <laughs> I'm Rob Jan. And Megan McHugh. And today our story is entitled A Warm Light for All Fankind to Share. The podcast title is Stones Cast into Pod as Avengers Assemble. Most awesome ripples. <laughs> <laughs> We're going to talk about Shazam today, the superhero <laughs> movie of the moment. <laughs> the most popular box office draw out right now? Yes. <laughs> well, clearly we are not. <laughs> so, Have you, you saw Shazam, did you? No. No, me neither. Okay, I, I wanted Actually, I wanted the weekend before Avengers Endgame came out. Yeah. I wanted it like a palate cleanser. <laughs> so... If that's what you can call it. I haven't seen it. I shouldn't throw stones. Actually, all I did was watch, um, well, especially not those stones. No, exactly. <laughs> Actually, we are about to talk about Avengers Infinity War for a whole hour on Zero G without spoilers. Yes. That's we're going to be very careful. Without significant spoilers because, you know, there are some bounds of um, of things that you're allowed to do as, as a reviewer and you just got to... Mm. But they'll they'll be so minor they won't be... You know, yeah. I think, I think like if I say that there's a Stan Lee cameo in that, is that a spoiler? No, exactly. I no, think, and I think you can trust that we care about it so much that we wouldn't want to spoil it anyway. So no. we're going to be very careful here. I want to go up front with my rating on this film because we always, you know, yeah, no, nah, maybe rating. Um, I'm actually sitting here thinking, you know, my, my rating for um, Avengers, mm. uh, Joss Whedon's 2012. Seven Samurai <laughs> equal mm. superhero movie. Um, I think I actually think there's no change between his Avengers and, and Kurosawa's Seven Samurai, and I've seen them both. <laughs> um, I gave that a hell yeah rating. Mm-hmm. This one I'm going to give a flurkin A <laughs> rating, to which somebody out there will say language. <laughs> I agree. I definitely think there's it's it's hard though because you're not looking at it just as a film because it's also the end of an era. Yes. Not to be too grandiose about it, but it is. And I think all of that considered and taken on board and it viewed in that light, I think it earns it earns the kudos that I think it's received. Mm. Um, so you know, it's it's not just one film. It's I don't know, like the peak of a phenomena. Let's set the mood here. <laughs> This is Sir Derek Jacobi. Zero G or not zero G? That is the question. There. Alan Silvestri's magnificent score for the Avengers. That's his title theme that he put together back in 2012 for the Joss Whedon's film. Mm-hmm. Um, it carries through all of the Avengers films, uh, and rightly so. It's a good bit of music. It's a very good leet motif. It is, and I think it's a very strong little uh, little ditty. Mm. <laughs> ditty. 
<laughs> the Avengers have a ditty. Yes, it helps with their covert operations. We play that theme every time we go into battle. <laughs> exactly. <laughs> From speakers attached to the Quinjet. Now, you know, I, I actually think Stark would do that. Oh, of course he would. <laughs> he probably has his own theme song. Yeah, he does. He probably has. He mentioned that in a film. I'm sure he would have. He does. He has indeed. <laughs> Um, actually, um, just to digress there, Iron Man has so many different themes in all the different movies um, that it actually is kind of reflective of the fact that he's always progressing. Yeah, yeah. And, mm. I mean, I think it's important to note, too, that the this whole thing was kicked off by the Iron Man movie. Oh, yeah. So the original John Favreau directed. Um, and so, you know, I think it, obviously it makes sense that that he's sort of got his own little Mm. themes. Now, we're going to try not to give away major plot points. Um, You know, they say Thanos has all the stones. (laughs) (laughs) Um, So we're going to go go at this. It's directed by Joe and Anthony Russo, Mm -hmm. um, brothers, the Captain America Winter Winter Soldier directors, Captain America Civil War. They do like Captain America. Which is Avengers 2.5. And also Avengers Infinity War, the first part of this two-part Movie. These yes. were filmed back to back, basically. Yes. So some people have been sitting on spoiler information for a year. Well, I'm surprised Tom Holland and Mark Ruffalo haven't spilled the beans because <laughs> they're infamous for their their big mouth energy. But you they know. they didn't actually um, give them completed scripts. <laughs> <laughs> so they're smart. They're smart this time. And somebody tweeted a meme um, that had uh, that said. Um, uh, it <laughs> said that Spider, what's his name? Spider Man, uh, the kid, Tom Holland. Tom Holland, yep. Tom Holland the kid, the kid. <laughs> that Tom Holland um, accidentally tweeted the entire Avengers plot online, <laughs> and the the tweet after that was Tom Holland saying, "Dude, you freaked me out there. I thought I did." <laughs> anyway, this is produced by Kevin Feige. Oh, yes, this is the man, and screenplay by Christopher Marcus and Stephen McFeely. And we know them as screenwriters who did those uh, Russo Captain America mm, movies. The collaborators. Yeah. They also worked on Thor Dark World, which is not so oh. good. Uh, and oh, no. um, they're also the screenwriters for the Chronicles of Narnia. And they also created the Agent Carter TV series. Ah, cool. Nice. And you like that, don't you? Oh, I love it. And we can also say, of course, that this is based upon The Avengers by Stanley yes. and Jack Kirby. Those two names ring on through the history of the Marvel Cinematic Universe. So, where does it fit in the MCU? I have notes. Mm, okay, good. <laughs> it's the 20- No, no, please. It's the 22nd film. And as you said, they started in 2008 with that big, mm-hmm. massive punt out into the dark. Yep. Iron Man. With an unknown, well, you know, mainstream unknown superhero. Not one that, you know, your regular Joe might know. No, that's right. Um, and the reason being, obviously, as well, is that Marvel had sold off a lot of their more popular characters to other studios. Yep. And so they didn't have... So things like X-Men and Fantastic Four, all of the more popular ones that people would recognise. Uh, so they were left with a stable of lesser-known characters. Ooh. Now, you can't actually say that um, that uh, having Iron Man and Thor and Captain America are lesser-known characters, maybe Iron Man to most people. I think to me. the general public. Yes, but comic book be. fans... Oh. You know. we're, we're not comic fans, but I think to your general movie-going audience, mm. um, I mean, X-Men, I think, is pretty a bit more well-known in terms of... Well, here's the thing. That, um, okay, that we're talking about the Marvel Studios, Marvel Cinematic Universe, but the uh, they had successful 
properties out there in film. Spider-Man, mm. um, the X-Men. Yes. And one that people forget, Blade. Oh, yeah. That's Marvel too. Yeah. In fact, even, even nowadays, when you start looking at the imprints that Marvel owns, mm. I think uh, Icon Comics. Oh, yeah. Do you know who they did? Kingsman. Nice. Yeah. Kingsman is... I really think Kingsman's underrated series. <laughs> yeah, I do too. You know, I, I like Eggsy. <laughs> yeah, same. He's, he's actually play, a, a digression. He's actually playing yeah. Elton John. I know in Rocket Man, and he's got a great set of pipes. Have you heard any of the audio? No, no. He's a beautiful singer. But he kidnapped Elton John. Or somebody kidnapped. <laughs> so him. I, I don't know. I like. I like. That. Yeah. Anyway, okay. We digress. Yes. Iron Man, two thousand and eight. There are six movies in the first phase, mm-hmm. uh, starting with Iron Man. 2008, John Favreau, director, who also plays Happy Hogan yes. in the MCU. What a guy. <laughs> yeah, and he pops up in, you know, different movies here and there, but mainly through Iron Man stories. And he's, 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 his star as a director has risen. Yeah. Um, you know, he's doing um, big movies, you know, like huge ones now. He's, uh, he did a second Iron Man movie. Yes. Uh, and also... Um, we introduced uh, we we also they also introduced Captain America, Hulk, Thor, Black Widow, and Hawkeye mm-hmm. in Phase One, uh, and concluded with Joss Whedon's Seven Samurai Opus, The Avengers. There were six movies again in the second phase. Another Iron Man movie, Iron Man Three, uh, the last of Robert Downey Jr.'s standalone Iron Man films. Mm-hmm. Uh, more Thor and Cap, and also introduced the Guardians of the Galaxy, which was just such a from left field. Mm. But really kind of, I think, reinvigorated uh, the MCU at that time. Pulled them out into space. Definitely. And added this whole new layer and I think kind of brought more comedic elements in Mm. as a kind of, I think that movie you could say is a comedy as well as a sci-fi, whereas a lot of the others have comedic elements but maybe don't sit that firmly. Uh, And they introduced Ant-Man and rounded off that phase with Joss Whedon's second Avengers team up. Age of Ultron, where they introduced Scarlet Witch and the very short-lived Quicksilver. Yes. I mean, I think we're, we're far enough away that we can say that. I miss him already. <laughs> I was always much more preferred the uh, X-Men Quicksilver, just yes. saying. Um, hard, to, hard to keep up with. Yes, exactly. <laughs> There's usually been at least two MCU films a year, mm-hmm. and the third fa- phase has the most films, a staggering 11 films. They really churned them out. In three years. Yeah. And they could only do that because they used another cinema, a studio as well. And I think there was, correct me if I'm wrong, they were sort of releasing them for a time in this sort of exact time periods, like that it, things were happening. Yeah. So it would sort of be chronological and the amount of time that had passed between each movie was sort of actually related to real time. <laughs> Got a bit messed up towards the end, though. At the start, too, because Captain America, the first Avengers, set in the 40s. Yeah. And they so released that quite late in the, the first phase. But they needed to have those core elements in place. They needed to lay that foundation. And then when they sort of got the sort of the third phase is like, you know, you get your interior design done, your fancy (laughs) patio built. It's all the bells and whistles, (laughs) I think. No, you're right. If if it feels like there's always a Marvel movie in the cinemas on the screen with another one perched on the next rooftop ready to come swinging in on a line, it's because there is. Uh, At the moment, we've got Endgame and Captain Marvel still playing in cinemas. Mm which is rather handy if you're trying to do that chronological order. Well, yes and no, <laughs> yes but and yes. No. Uh, they've, they introduced um, uh, Doctor Strange, the Black Panther and the Wasp 
in the second Ant-Man film uh-huh. in this phase three, Captain Marvel most recently, and a second Guardians of the Galaxy film, and Thor Ragnarok that proved to be the comedy hit of the year. Yeah. Um, there are also two Spider-Man films now that they've sorted out the rights with Sony. Uh-huh. The second one hasn't screened yet. That's in a couple of months. Uh, that's the upcoming Spider-Man Far From Home, which will be the last of the Phase 4 movies. Yes. And not Endgame. Uh, and, of course, the free team-up films, including Captain America Civil War, which turned out to be a warm-up for the Avengers. Yes. Infinity War and Avengers Endgame. <laughs> so just to remind you, the Infinity Saga has spun off 10 live-action television series as well. Really? Including the now very long-lived Agents of S.H.I.E.L.D., uh, with a fervour four for the new Disney streaming channel starring the actors from the movies. Mm-hmm. They are really plugging their game there. There are other projects and developments with networks and several animated series that are tied into the MCU. If you ever watch Joss Whedon's The Avengers and you want to go and see something that picks up from that mm. straight away, uh, the Avengers Assembled cartoon series. Ah. It's almost like set. It's set pretty much precisely in the same universe. Um, now... That's a lot. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> and, and, and believe me, they did not stop writing the comics. No. Between then and now. And, there, and um, there's been backflows and interwoven things and all You can of find stuff. Avengers Assemble on stand, by the yes. way, if you do want to watch that. Oh, really? Yeah. I did not know that. I bought it. <laughs> <laughs> Only season one. I must say, when we get to the money side of this, uh, so there's something in the background in play going into Endgame. We know that we're going to see most, uh, more of certain characters because they've got upcoming movies and TV shows. Yes. Um, so while their fates are not exactly fixed, they're not exactly in the wind either. Mm. Um, but there's this, sort of a big blank space yeah. there where we're not sure what it's going to look like once it comes out the other end of that pipe, you know? Yeah. Does this detract from the stakes? Well, comic book fans are really used to it. Yeah. Um, and I'm a comic book fan, so it doesn't for me. As a regular, a more regular cinema goer. How would I know? I would think, <laughs> I would think generally, you know, you know things here and there. Like I, I'm pretty, I know what's coming out and what's going on, but that's still, I still have no idea what any of that's going to look like. So it doesn't ruin it for me. So this franchise, these 22 movies alone, cost... $4.6 billion to make. <laughs> and what did they take in? $19.72 billion US. Well. Uh, <laughs> I think Disney's probably looking quite pleased of itself because they bought Marvel in um, 2009 for $4 billion. Okay. So they're doing all right. Now, I think a- they're looking pleased with themselves in general at the moment, aren't they? Just rubbing their, like, yeah, their little, mitted hands their little together. little mitted hands, yes. <laughs> Just scooping up all the studios. Yeah, Scrooge McDuck's money exactly. bin has an extension. Sliding down <laughs> that money pile. But, I mean, what a good investment, though. And they kept Marvel with enough agency to do what they were going to do with the MCU hmm. after they bought it. They did. They, there hasn't been... Uh, as far as I can see, there hasn't been a whole lot of interference. Like Not a lot expect. of meddling. I mean, yeah. we wouldn't know, would we? But they, they don't want to. Well, the, the results yeah. pretty much show that there, well, are, there have been directors thing. pulled out sometimes, and you know, who's to say that wouldn't have happened anyway? So. Yeah, but I don't think I think they're smart enough not to want to kill the duck that lays the golden egg. Oh goodness, no! Why would you? Mm. Why would you shave the duck if it was laying eggs perfectly fine? Yeah, you know how how hard would they have to work to do that? Oh, some, there's some really good little puns in the background there. Ah. <laughs> After the weekend, the box office is, mm-hmm. and the question was, 
The question was, before I even have had a chance to ask on Zero G, since the five days that Endgame has opened, the question was going to be, how long will it take them to reach a billion dollars in box office? <laughs> They're at 1.2 billion now. <laughs> I was going to say, oh, what a question. I, didn't get, I didn't, didn't get to draw breath on it. What I thought was so interesting is I actually saw it before Rob. Some of that, some of that money's mine. And so, I worked very hard not to ruin anything for Thank him. You. I just, well, I couldn't have lived with myself. But no. yeah, it's now been not many days at all, and I think. <laughs> what happened to Megan? <laughs> Last time I saw Ultron was sitting on her. <laughs> it's a solo show I'm now. Gonna, I'm going to miss her. <laughs> Megan got a bit mouthy I, about it. I miss her already. <laughs> no one would know. No one. <laughs> Do you think that's actually the best line that Hawkeye's ever had? Well. (laughs) (laughs) Okay. Now, I was looking at the records that this has broken at the box office. Oh, yeah. That's a good one. I can't. There's too many. I saw a list. Yeah. 144 so far. And that that breaks down into, like, um, biggest ever first day in, Mm. like, about 30 countries. I mean, yeah. And globally, too. There's been some great strides, too. And, I mean, I think the fact Black Panther broke a lot of records and really kind of showed that, you know, Hollywood and studios need to be much more progressive and they can afford to be. It is disappointing that, you know, it took almost the whole franchise to get the first female-led film. Mm. Um, And, of course, there are female characters, but often they are more of a sidekick role and, you know... Captain, I think there's Captain Marvel promptly hit one billion. Well, exactly, and again, similar to Black Panther, it's like, you know, the argument should never be about money, but I think the no. proof there is is in the pudding anyway. So, I mean, while it is a, it's an amazing franchise and it's record breaking and it's a pretty incredible feat, I do think it is important to point out that I think while they have made some sort of steps, I still think they could have done more in terms of diversity earlier mm-hmm. uh, and i think that's still important to point out um, and, and let's let's make sure they do so in, going forwards and that's it i think let's keep up some of the things they've been doing and you know including female writers to write female stories and things like and that directors. like it's so basic yeah um so i think that's really important so just wanted to hop off my soapbox now but good god if this was, <laughs> if this was in shakespeare's time tony stark would be played by Meryl Streep or something. Yeah. <laughs> no, no, sorry. I've got, the other way around. I've got to get the other way around. So it'd be... The Black Widow would be played by... Um, the, give me a, a name of a young... By, by Leonardo DiCaprio. You're <laughs> not young anymore. <laughs> <laughs> oh, no, I don't keep up with that sort of stuff. <laughs> All right. Now, how complicated is this movie? Yes. I will tell you. Well, can we? I don't think we can. can I can, actually. I've, it, can I've got notes. In the beginning... <laughs> oh god <laughs> even before galactus got up for brekkie mm-hmm. there were the infinity stones six elemental crystals i should do this more pretentiously yeah please put on your like voiceover formed voice. during the big bang that each contained and allowed control over an essential aspect of existence over the course of the previous mcu films the infinity stones related to space mind reality power and time were located, pretty much driving the plots of the movies they were placed in. Mm. And a lot of the time you didn't realise, yes. but those breadcrumbs were there the whole way through. Correct. Now, <laughs> three of these stones found their way to Earth where they caused trouble for both the individual heroes and for when they assembled as the world's finest superheroes, the Avengers, a.k.a. Earth's mightiest heroes. 
It's the space stone that caused the most trouble for the Avengers, mm-hmm. but it is also responsible for empowering Captain Marvel with energy. And these stones oh. are responsible for empowering various heroes. The Mind Stone was, was used to create the Scarlet Witch and her brother as heroes uh, and later became the power source for the Synthenoid known as the Vision. Right. And the Time Stone was the most powerful of the mystic artefacts used by Earth's sorcerer, Supreme Doctor Strange, the, the Eye of Agamotto. So, of the three stones located out in the galaxy mm-hmm. off Earth, yes. one, the Soul Stone, could only be obtained by the sacrifice of a loved one which is how Gamora of the Guardians of the Galaxy died, when Thanos, the mad titan, threw his adopted daughter, who is responsible for orphaning in the first place, that was a, off a cliff. a poignant scene, though, I will say. This allowed him to further his plans. Now, Thanos is one of the cinema's most chillingly well-crafted villains, voiced with particular nuanced skill by Josh Brolin. He's incredible. He's amazing, and he's... Played Cable in Deadpool too, but here he is in the But, like, with a blue butt chin, he still manages to be, you know, have gravitas and also be terrifying but sympathetic. Yeah. Now, Thanos has an agenda, which he's been pursuing throughout the MCU movies, mostly from an off-screen manipulative perspective, which we now know. Until Infinity War. Actually, um, Guardians of the Galaxy 1. He had his own little, yeah. Yeah, we first saw him extensively. He looked different then. They re-CGI'd him. He was actually going to play a bigger part in that, but Joss Whedon asked him to dial it back. I'm glad that that Because he was producing. Yeah. Thanos wants to save the universe from overpopulation. Mm-hmm. Not by decimating everybody in it, because that would be just one in ten, but by eliminating half of all life. At random. At random. Oh, yes, he's very democratic. Yes, he's not going to be pointing. It's all very random. I told you he was mad. Now, he's been pottering Is away. Well, yeah, that's the thing, isn't it? The awful thing. That's what I love about Infinity War is you could argue he is the protagonist and it is his quest that is the core of the film. Mm. And I just... Anyway, continue. He's been pottering away at this one planet at a time until now, but he's that's just keeping his hand in, ha-ha, which mm. is also where he wants to put said hand inside the Infinity Gauntlet. Yes. With the gauntlet on, and it's for the left hand, by the way, Oh, yeah. Uh, Apros of nothing in particular. He can eliminate half of all life in the universe with a finger snap. Mm -hmm. Can you do a finger snap? The famous, yeah. Go ahead. Damn it. (laughs) Can you not? No. Really? No, never been able to do a finger snap. Wow. Well, good. Good. (laughs) Because with great power comes great responsibility. Damn. (laughs) What have you done? (laughs) Megan? (laughs) It'd be awful if he forgot to say half of all life. Except for me. Yeah, I know. You've got, like, you've got to add in some caveats. And my minions. <laughs> <laughs> Although, no, I don't think he would do that. And my pet, Bill Schnipe. I think he would be willing to make it totally random. And if he went, he would go. He would go. Okay. Maybe he did. Maybe it was like, well, that worked out well. Yeah, exactly. Like, oh, cards fell in my favour. Um, I'm assuming that there was a bit of a delay for the death wave to propagate throughout the universe or, you know, because it would have taken forever at just the speed of light. Mm. You know I, mean, mean? <laughs> I mean, I think, you know, we're going to safely assume that Infinity War, having come out a while ago, we're spoiling that. I just spoiled so. that, right. And the reason why I did that was to show you how complicated this film is before we get to this film. Exactly. And I think that that is fine. <laughs> because we can't really talk about a lot of the plot moves in it. What are we going to talk about? No. We can't. No, There's no, nothing. It's too soon. We literally can't. Hashtag too soon. It is. <laughs> Okay, so uh, mm. we left at the end of um, Thanos' 
The Thanos really is the star of that. What are they film. called? The snapping. The snapping. Snapping. The snapping. So he's done that, and after defeating all of the Avengers, save for Captain Marvel, who had yet to appear in the MCU, mm-hmm. and the Guardians of the Galaxy, in two separate battles on Titan and Earth. Yes. Why did he win? <laughs> I think I can point the finger at one person. Yes. Who. Got a little into their own emotions. Mr. Quill. Got in his face. Yes, he did. Ruined everything. Ruined everything. But also because the Avengers were still divided after the events of Civil War. Mm. They were not the Avengers. Yeah. They were two teams. That's fair. And also the Guardians of the Galaxy were not an integrated team with the Avengers. No. Well, they've actually functioned quite well. Yeah. Up until that Quill bit. (laughs) In two separate battles. So... There we go. Um, they all tried pretty hard, but it just wasn't enough. No. I mean, gosh, they really put their back into it, but... So, Endgame is about the consequences of the snap mm-hmm. upon surviving individual Avengers, upon their families, upon the Avengers as a family, mm-hmm. and upon Earth's population as well, which is no longer a whole. Oh, I just... Ever since the snap happened... I've been waiting for this. And then I was like, no, no, I've been waiting for this for, like, many movies ago. Yes. And so it's exciting. And what the Flurkin are our heroes going to do about this? And this is not a spoiler. They are not called the Avengers for nothing. Oh, yeah. Mm, that's right. Stark Payson. <laughs> <laughs> the consequences... If you thought the consequences of the first movie in these two was going to be major, mm. the consequences of this movie are going to echo throughout Phase 4 of the MCU and beyond that. Mm. Absolutely. Which, we know that. Like, yeah. going in, you know it's going to be, this is an event. With feels. All the yeah. feels. Which Th- Thousands of feels. Yeah. It's very well balanced, I think, as a film. In fact, as a fe- I'll give you a feels warning if you hadn't seen it, uh, and we'll call this the, the feel-o-ship of the stones. Um, Chris Evans at the premiere tweeted out that it made him cry six times. Really? But he's a sensitive soul. Chris Hemsworth said it made him cry more. <gasps> because he's a more sensitive Because he's soul. a competitive soul. <laughs> <laughs> and fans, well, basically, when they saw those tweets, they're saying that basically half of fandom is going to be dusted just watching this film. <laughs> so it's like... It was true. I I looked up at one stage and there were, at several stages, there were people weeping all around me. What I like... Sobbing, trying to control snobs. That's what I like about seeing these things in the cinema is in the high moments, everybody's excited. And, you know, I think that... I don't know, there's something special about that, which is why I still like going to the cinema, but also why I still like these blockbusters. And I think it's it's fun. Like, it's nice to experience that. Mm, it is. I shed a couple of tears, <laughs> but, yeah. All right. Now, um, I want to, uh, after all that, I want to go and sit on the porch for a while and <laughs> contemplate the gratitude, the, the, the thanks of a grateful universe mm. <laughs> with Thanos, with the, the track Porch from... Avengers Infinity War by Alan Silvestri. Hi, this is Michael Palin, and right now you are lucky enough to be listening to 102.73 Triple R FM. Yeah, Thanos sitting on his porch. <laughs> there, Alan Silvestri with the score for Avengers Infinity War, which mm-hmm. was not quite the last bit of music we heard in that one. We're talking about Endgame today, but without spoilers. We're being very careful. Without major spoilers. Yeah. I think, you know, 
I have to say that um, basically that uh, this is probably the worst Justice League film I've ever seen. (laughs) (laughs) Oh, God. (laughs) Sorry. That's about all we say about that. I will say, like, I had this moment, and this is not a spoilery comment. Um, Why not? (laughs) I I was watching it and I was just like, man... This isn't just like a film about superheroes. It's like a film about people. And I thought that was really profound at the time. But I was thinking back and it's like it is. Like I feel a lot of these characters have been so well treated and fleshed out. I mean some more than others that I really felt like there was the tone and parts of this film. It wasn't just like a superhero thing. It was really about people and their reactions and their relationships. And, you know, they happen to be superheroes. And I think that's what sets it apart really. And I think that's what has kept it the light on inside the franchise for such a long time, mm. as well as obviously smart and strategic scheduling and directors and actors and all of that stuff. Proof that superheroes have a heart, basically. Exactly. Um, Thanos. He lost his minions in the Infinity War. Yes. Uh, I wondered how they'd address that because having him without backup, backup uh, sinners in mm. this film, um, they do address that. Not that it really matters, because he's Thanos, you know, Thanatos, bringer of death. Mm -hmm. Um, I think they push uh, the character further in this movie in some areas. Yes, agreed. Uh, Not too much. um, Like, I wouldn't um, say they push him off a cliff or anything, but let's say he's capable of learning. I think as well they did, it did further show to me how well Josh Brolin has kind of inhabited that character. Mm. So I I thought it just gave me more respect for for him in that role. But this is not really his movie. Um, this is more about the, the core original Avengers mm-hmm. um, with a lot of helpers of their own. Yes. Uh, now, look, everyone has their favourite characters in the franchise. Um, everyone sees the characters from their own cinema seats, so they're all going to have different opinions about how their characters should move forward. Mm. Um, I respect that, um, you know, but... So do they provide satisfying character arcs within for those for for all of the characters in this film? Mm. Mostly. Yeah. I don't think I think the answer is there's some things I think I would have liked to see different. Mm-hmm. Uh just being so careful. <laughs> yeah. Um but overall It's free hour film. It's I think it's very beautifully done in terms of as the peak end of a, a long batch of setup. Yeah. Uh, and for characters as well as plots. So generally satisfied with that. Mm. Um, without saying anything at all apart from this. <laughs> oh, you've got to be careful. I am. Mate. I'm careful. Um, as you know, I'm the third biggest Iron Man fan in the world. The first, the first is Tony Stark himself. <laughs> <laughs> of course. <coughs> Narcissist. <laughs> Agreed. The second is Gary, the cameraman from Iron Man Free, who has a tattoo of Tony Stark on him, or maybe Scott Bayer, I'm not sure. <laughs> and then there's me. I'm also a big Captain America fan, mm-hmm. and the whole Stark cap ship, yeah. which extends to all of the original core Avengers. They are a group. They're a team. They're no longer a time bomb. Well, not since Civil War. <laughs> they went off. Uh, so there's a lot at stake for me in a fandom sense in this film. Yeah. 
And, and I think it's fair to say that, that this film does concentrate on the, on the founding Avengers of the MCU because yeah. it's the end of Phase 3. Uh, the end of what I've called, of what I've heard called already, the Infinity Saga. Ooh, okay. That's its official name. That's Can you imagine the box set? Saga just makes me think of the Twilight Saga, though. Like, that word's been ruined forever. Um, but the box set's going to have... Infinity Stones, That's you, can, cool. you know, and 22 discs and oh, 30 discs. Can and, you imagine? Yeah. I will say, though, even if you like um, sort of other newer characters more than those core Avengers or you maybe don't have favourites or anything, I think you'll still get a lot out of this. And it's still – it's an emotional film. Like, obviously, oh, yeah. the snapping is a big thing. Um, and so I think regardless of if you have a favourite character or not, I think you'll still be moved. Oh, yeah, I was very moved. Um, okay, one of the big components of this is fan service, and quite often that's used in a derogatory sense. But if you put together an unprecedented franchise of 20 films that are interlinked, carefully interlinked, mm. that build upon each other, the reason why this movie is so good, and I'm actually, I was actually thinking this may be the finest motion picture I've ever seen. Oh! <laughs> yeah. Wow. And I've seen a few. <laughs> really? Yeah. But the reason why that is is because it's standing on the giant man's shoulders say, of 21 other films. There's something about it where you can't really... I mean, of course you can say that, but because as one standalone film, it doesn't carry the same weight as, you know, its role in the it whole thing, right? It's a team. Mm. It's part of a team of 22 movies. Um and there's another aspect of that uh, that I wanted to mention. There's an episode of Star Trek The Next Generation, the second episode Ooh. of the fifth season, mm-hmm. called Darmok. Captain Picard is marooned on a planet with an alien captain called Darmok. And um, he has a lot of trouble communicating with Picard and vice versa mm-hmm. because Darmok, Captain Darmok um, talks in metaphors. Oh, my God. Now, the <laughs> universal translator can translate the metaphors into English, but it cannot translate their mm. meanings because those metaphors mean something to Damok. But Picard hasn't got the context. So Damok would say something like, would, would tap Picard on the shoulder and firmly and say, Damok and Jalad at Tanagra, Shaka when the walls fell and Tembra, his arms wide. And you had to sort of work that out from the context of what was happening. Sure. So a metaphor can carry a lot. So what you've got is 24 movies, right, with all with iconic lines and visual events and actions and scenes. Each of those becomes a metaphor. When you deploy them in Avengers Endgame, and they deploy a lot of callbacks mm. in this, they, are, they become metaphors for entire films. Yeah, sure. So suddenly you've got massive luggage piling up in this film Mm. that resonates and echoes and we understand the metaphors because we've been there and we know the context yeah i I could not imagine seeing this i I don't know why you want to see this film just by itself having never seen the other films i i wonder about that because i think there's something in it where I think it would be nice if there was an easy road for people who haven't watched any of the films Mm. in terms of the bare minimum work you need to do to watch this and get out of it something. If not, maybe not as much as, you know, I saw Iron Man in the cinema when it came out Mm. and I've seen almost every, I mean, I've seen almost every movie. Um, The only one I haven't seen is Ant-Man and the Wasp. That's because they're such little films. (laughs) 
That's a great film, by the way. I know, and I love Paul Rudd. I don't know what happened. I just don't know, fill in a black hole at that point or something. But, and so, you know, maybe you'll never get that amount from it. It's like when you watch The Princess Bride when you're a kid and someone watches it when they're old and they just don't get it. Mm. But I think there is an entry point for people to watch this. Mm. I'm not sure exactly what that looks like. I'm, there's listicles all over the internet. The simplest thing but, would be, you know, one, one level would be to watch all of the Avengers films. Yeah, I think, and... And Civil, and civil, and civil War, War, which is so awkward because I really think there's a part of me that thinks that should have just been an Avengers film. Yeah. But anyway. Uh, so that would be one way. Another way would be just to watch these two films. Do you think? Yeah, there's an explanation about the stones in um, Infinity War, um, Wong in the Sanctum Sanctorium. That's true. He gives a bit of exposition for for, for lay people. Mm. Okay. So this is why this is an enhanced film. Mm. It's almost like you actually can't really grok it all, you know, to use a Heinlein term, unless you've watched those 22 films. Now, that, is, that should mm. not be a reason, and I know it is, that should not be a reason for people to disparage it. Because it's like saying, well, you'll get a lot more out of Pride and Prejudice if you're an adaptation if you've read the book. You know what I mean? Yeah. Yeah. They worked for this. Yes, that's true. And we've seen other studios try, try the same shortcut. thing. And it doesn't work. No. So for multiple reasons, but partly because the, the pre-work hasn't been done, like the homework to get people to care. <laughs> mm. Another thing is there are shouts out to dozens of comic book arcs mm. in this film. Ah, uh, yes. And more Easter eggs than a Xenomorph Queen could lay in a month. Yeah. You know, just so much. Even I know some of those, which we can't talk about. And it applies to the visuals too. Mm-hmm. Uh, which we can't talk about. <laughs> yes, I can talk about a, a battle scene in this movie. Oh, yeah. Because, duh, there's going to be a battle scene. Do you think you can talk about that? Yes, but only in the point of saying... Sure. Um, I've, I've seen um, the occasional comic, usually Marvel, where they have a fold-out... Mm-hmm. Okay, so instead of just you open up the page, instead of just getting two pages that with the battle splashed across it, mm-hmm. you can keep folding and there's like 12 pages. Mm-hmm. That's what this film reminds me of. Okay, all right. That's you can say that. Okay, yeah. <laughs> and the superhero, because you know me, I'm a procedural person. Yes. Which is why I love Iron Man as a character. The superhero <laughs> procedural is insane yeah, in this cool. film. It is insane, basically. Um, <laughs> I do just want to stress, though, I think there's something... Part of what's special about it is is the non-superhero parts as well. Sure. Yeah. I don't know. I can't. There's something about the tone yeah. in part of it that I thought was quite special anyway. But and I can't talk about that anymore. And speaking about the Tony, because <laughs> everything goes <laughs> Good back, segue. Everything goes back to Stark. <laughs> the Iron Man procedural, I thought, and this is my specialty, I thought it was great. Yes, yeah. Um, he's a combat engineer, a genius billionaire playboy philanthropist. That's all on display here. Not the playboy, I think, unless, well, he was with Nebula for a while, so. <laughs> and they always bring, like, he'll have some nifty bit of extra tech that appears yep. as if from nowhere, you know, stuff like that. And it's he all do- good fun. he does that to the max in this. Yeah, exactly. Really, seriously. Um, okay. Uh, well, the, they drilled down into some science fiction tropes, which I won't identify, Um on levels that flummoxed me. And yeah. I've seen the film twice and I had to yeah. do that to untangle them. I, uh, oh, yeah. I'm into that, though. This is really a, a film that does deserve seeing twice, <laughs> says he, adding to the could-be uncountable squillions of dollars that they're already making. I'll be seeing it again. Yeah, good. <laughs> <laughs> 
Now, um, where did you see it, by the way? I saw it at a Hoyts. Okay. In, uh, in 3D? No, it wasn't the ideal. It wasn't the ideal, but I wanted to go on the first night because I just wanted to avoid any spoilers. Um, and so uh, that's where I went, and it was fine. It was good. Uh, I'm definitely going to go again, and I'm going to try for either IMAX or 3D or something. I have seen it at VMAX, okay. which is a big screen, yep. but not in 3D. I've also seen it at IMAX 3D. Okay. How is that IMAX 3D I'm interested in? Okay. So the question is 3D or not 3D Yeah, IMAX? pretty much. I would go to the biggest cinema that I could to see mm. this. Uh, it's a cool thing in itself, just the effectiveness of the 3D. Yeah, okay. Um, all the space scenes looked infinitely vast and humbling. They had an emotional content just because of that. And there was so much layered depth in the interior. Just for example, you've seen this in the trailer, mm. of the Guardian spaceship. Yeah. Um, the Benatar, I think. Uh, and it felt like I was sitting in there with Tony and Nebula, like they were just behind the next bunch of seats. Yeah, nice. That was... That was humble.